All right, so before we start this episode, I wanted to let you know that halfway through my phone rang, so apologies if that got caught up in the recording. I don't really know how to edit that out, but uh, about halfway through, you might hear a phone ring. That's me, and I'm sorry. Also, my microphone was kind of giving me some troubles uh, recording, so the audio quality might not sound great whenever I speak. There sounds like there's like a crinkling sound or something, so apologies for that. Uh, anyway, enjoy the second episode of Arista's Movie Adventure. It's a good one. Hello, this is Arista's Movie Adventure, uh, episode two, and I am here with my good friends Sam and Andrew, and we're going to talk about three spooky movies that we saw. So spoilers, spoilers for It Comes at Night, The Chernobyl Diaries, and The Girl on the Third Floor. Uh, Sam, how are you? I'm doing well, Arista. How are you? I am doing okay. My roommate keeps making cookies, and I'm getting fatter by the day in quarantine. So that is how I am doing. Yeah, perks to living alone. <laughs> it never makes me cookies. Oof. Make yourself self-love. Uh Andrew, how are you? Oh, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on the episode. <laughs> perfect. Perfect. You guys ready to talk some spooky movies? Oh, yeah. I was I'm born so ready. ready. I'm ready. Like spooky Saturday edition. Oh, yeah. So in college, what? When were we? Was it like pre, pre-gaming to go to the bar? We would just put on a spooky <laughs> movie and have spooky Saturday and just drink and laugh at the spookers? Like, is that... What no, you think I think happen? it was usually like we were too hungover from drinking on Friday night that we just bummed yeah. around all day on Saturday. <laughs> yeah, we, that, we wouldn't leave our seats all day. <laughs> Except for food. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the Chinese uh, buffet. Um, yeah, or even like if we we're at the greenhouse, Papa John's RIP was right there so we could just like walk over. Right. <laughs> yep, that's true. <laughs> I, I always enjoyed uh, Spooky Saturday Part 2, Spooky Sunday, yeah. which was just <laughs> the next day on Sunday, we were too hungover to do anything. So, <laughs> in the, uh, yeah, right. Uh, of course, that was 100 years ago, but in the spirit of that, uh, let's talk about It Comes at Night, which is a movie that I had suggested. Uh, so I thought this was going to be good. Uh, <laughs> Spoiler. Uh, <laughs> a brief a brief brief intro uh it's a movie that's what post-apocalyptic and it's set in the woods somewhere there's like a virus that kills people and the story is about like a family which is a mother a father and a teenage son as they live in a house in the woods uh and then some other family joins them which is a younger couple with a five-year-old son and then uh I don't, shit happens uh let's talk about it um, Sam, were you spooked at all during this movie? Um, each review, I had kind of like a like a five star rating, and my three categories were plot, jump scare, and general spookiness. So, um, if I was <laughs> going to rate this at all, I gave it a zero out of five in each category. Wow, harsh. <laughs> So um, was I scared? Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So no spookiness, no, not a good plot. <laughs> there was no plot. There was no plot at all. Yeah, there was. They were surviving. That's enough for me. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, like nothing, nothing ever came. 
yes. night. So, I, mean, uh, I mean, the guy, I mean, you could get into it, but the guy was like the only thing that came at night. And I don't think he was the it in the title. No. Yeah. Uh, Trimble, real quick, were, were you spooked at all? What would you kind of rate this? Like, honestly, I think it all depends how you look at it from your point of view, because um, in terms of like what Sam was saying with general spookiness, that is such a vague term and I'm like coming at you right now. But like, <laughs> there's a virus that's, well, basically, it, it seems like it was really contagious because um, I won't get into what happened at the end with uh, Paul's son, Travis, and um, basically who they took in, but it was like really contagious. So they had almost like no communication from the outside world. And they were just depending on solely the animals that they had and the resources that they had at their homestead. And they couldn't basically let anyone in because they couldn't trust anyone. It was the end of the world. And it was so relevant what's going on right now. And this is like the stuff that I think at at night. And I think that's sort of what the, the title has to deal with. It comes at night. It's probably what I'm seeing from my independent review is that has to deal with the director's um, nightmares of possibly like a post-apocalyptic world. You did your homework, um, which I like. I, I, I do. I do think it's kind of it's sort of relevant, you know, a virus and coronavirus going on now. But um, uh, so it sounds like you liked it a lot better than I did and Sam did. I mean, what I meant by, like, general spookiness, like, I just meant, like, at any point was I, like, scared because I'm watching a quote-unquote, like, horror film, you know? Yeah. And, yeah, yes, well, like, the the overview of it, of, you know, possibly dying of a highly contagious virus, yes, that's relevant, and yes, that is a scary thing that could happen, um, but, like, watching the movie, was I scared at any point? No. That's where yeah. I was coming from in that um, category of mine that I arbitrarily made up. <laughs> I, I I do want to talk about the the like the marketing. I don't know if either of you guys watched the trailer for it that I sent, no. but they like edited the trailer to make it seem like it was definitely like a monster movie. Like it comes at night, and then they have him saying, "We don't go outside at nighttime. We do everything during the day." And it cuts to like these nighttime scenes with fast cuts and stuff, and make it look like there's like a monster or some spooky baddie coming at night when really this movie was about the two families uh, that live together kind of coming at odds with each other in, in, in the end. So it wasn't, there was no monster spooky thing at all. Like that's kind of why I was disappointed was I was expecting something called it comes at night to have something mm -hmm. come to them at night. But, you know, I guess the, the thing that came at night was what tra Travis, the kid, the teenager, it was what his nightmares and 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 stuff was that the thing that they meant? Yeah, uh, I guess. I mean, he was afraid of getting the virus, and he kept having reoccurring nightmares where you know he was like throwing up blood and basically hallucinating. So, I mean, that came at night, and then um, the dad. What was the dad's name? Paul. Is that Paul? Paul. Um, well, he technically came at night too, so. <laughs> And then whatever um, R.I.P. killed Stanley the dog um, also came at night. So there were like a couple of things that happened at night, but there was never any thing specifically. So yeah, it wasn't. Uh, I was a little disappointed there. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
That uh, was the some... worst part of the movie for me was the dog dying because I did not look at does the dog die.com before watching any of these films. Honestly, yeah. Didn't every dog die in these films too? Yes, I think so. Yeah. I'm pretty well, now we just gave it away first the other two movies, but yeah, I was I was really disappointed. Stanley was my favorite character. <laughs> and like by the third movie I watched, I was like Oh, we know the dog has to die on this one. We have to strike out right now. No, it was like the worst trifecta ever. <laughs> what are the odds with that? Oh no. So um, I was trying I was trying to think of some like some sort of themes for this movie because, you know, I wanted to talk about it, but I guess I don't know. There's maybe something about like fathers and sons cuz the kid, the teenager wants to like have a father figure and then it starts off with burying a grandfather. So Paul's dad is dead. And then Travis's dad, which is Paul is kind of a, kind of a dick to him. And then Travis looks to the other guy, uh, Will, I guess, was that his name? The, the other guy that kind of. Oh, that's uh, what I meant. We called him Paul before, before I was talking about the guy who came. That was Will. Yeah. So Paul was Joel Edgerton, the, the dad of like the older dad with the, the, the teenage son. The history then, teacher. Will is the other guy with the wife and the five. Will and his wife, uh, whose name Sarah. is Sarah, they have a what, five-year-old son, a toddler. These are all like such basic names. Like after, yeah. like of course, watching three movies, they all seem to like blend in, and yeah. you almost like need like a cast list up. <laughs> yeah, I have Wikipedia open, looking at the names. So that's yeah. how I. <laughs> you got but, Chris, Paul. Mm-hmm. John, Andrew. Like, come All right, on. Well, if you keep listing it, you're going to confuse us even more. <laughs> uh, the teenage son definitely wanted to bang the dude's wife, right? Yeah. I thought, I mean, I thought that was going to flirt like, with him, too. It was like yeah. a plot twist. You know, it comes at night. It's a different meaning. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it would have made the movie more interesting, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. That, I agree. Um, so, despite that half assed like, kind of theme I thought of, was there anything you guys took out of this movie? Uh, as far as deeper meaning, I mean, I thought there was had a lot to do with trust as a um, theme going throughout the movie. Um, you know, Paul was very strict about his rules for his family, like leaving the house, obviously to protect them. Um, and then he tried to impose those rules on, you know, Will's family when they came. And it was always a matter of trust, like, you know, they never really trusted each other. Um, and ultimately that's, that's the reason it ended the way it did, <laughs> you know, it's because yeah. they couldn't trust each other. Yeah. And sorry, sorry, go ahead. No, it's almost like that, was like, that was like Paul's downfall too, because he was so concerned about like his, uh, wife and son that he was so keen up on like protecting them that he missed out on actually being a father to his son. Mm. Yeah, exactly. That's kind of loops back with what I was saying is like the theme of father and son relationships. I think that's what I took out of it was 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 that. So nice, nice call, Andrew. Um, there was also like a f- like what's that called in literature? Like a red herring when it's like a curveball that you think is going to have meaning, but then it doesn't. Um, where Will said that before they were at that other house, they were with his brother. Then he later says, oh, I was an only child. And then he was like, oh, but I thought you said you were with your brother. And he was like, oh, did I say that? I meant it was my brother-in-law. Um, 
So I thought that was going, like, the fact that he lied to him, like, I thought that was going to have a little bit more meaning, but it didn't. I think all it showed was that, um, you know, he couldn't really trust him again. Like, he, he hmm. said something that wasn't exactly true. So I, I don't know. I thought there was going to be more with that, but there wasn't. <laughs> I think I, I thought there was going to be more with a lot of stuff in this movie, which is part of, partially why I was really disappointed. Uh, I thought there'd be monsters. I thought there'd be, like you said, with the, oh, no, those are my, my brother-in-law is what I meant. Like maybe there was some other gang of people that might come and, and try to attack them or something. But it really was uh, just, like I said, the two families together. Um, so in the end, uh, I'm going to spoil all these movies, but in the end, uh, uh, what they tried to, the son, the, the, the five-year-old boy contracts the virus. And so the, their family tries to like leave and what they wrestle a gun away. No, he has a gun and he's trying to leave and uh, a fight escalates. And then I, I thought it was actually a really tense scene. The music was really intense and shit was going on as they try to run. And then Paul, uh, Joel Edgerton shoots, uh, shoots them. <laughs> Hold on. It's... But he, he kills Andrew and then the wife is still alive too. Oh, that's right. So Andrew's the little boy, the five-year-old, and then... Uh, okay, you the guys one... are a little bit mixed up with the order of events here. Okay. <laughs> like, like, first, Stanley the dog runs away. That's really where, the, like, the, the peak of this is, right? And I'm not just mm-hmm. saying that because I'm a crazy dog lady. Like, <laughs> Stanley the dog runs away, right? That stresses out Travis, the teenage guy, right? And then dog ends up coming back and the dog has the virus The dog is ultimately let into the house by andrew the five-year-old who was like probably sleepwalking and then um travis finds him in or i don't know maybe he didn't open the door i don't know but they found him in the grandpa's room and we know that the grandpa had the virus and died so maybe he just got virus from grandpa's room i don't know but Ultimately, that amount of uncertainty of, you know, who let the virus into the house is what causes all the tension. So then the two families decide to stay in separate rooms for a couple of days, wait it out. But then Travis hears people, you know, coughing and crying from the attic. And then, you know, that causes Paul to go check on the other family. And then Ultimately, we find out that Andrew does have the virus and they're trying to just leave, but Paul doesn't want them to just leave. And then there's that big struggle, blah, blah, blah. There's guns. And then they get outside. And then Paul's wife actually shoots Will first in the back. Mm-hmm. He's not he's not dead yet. And then Paul shoots Andrew from his mother's arms. And then he follows it up by killing Andrew's mom. And then he finishes off Will and then Travis dies from the virus. And then it ends very disappointingly with Paul and his wife looking at each other from across the table because they both know that they're going to die from the virus soon because they touched all those other people. Mm-hmm. Perfect. I'm sorry. Perfect. That was a really long diatribe, but that was the, <laughs> was the gist. Of the no, whole per- perfect. I, I want to add in that scene where they're wrestling in the yard and uh, Paul is out there after having shot Andrew and Kim, uh, which is Andrew's mother. Um, Will is well, the re- Will is beating beating Paul up. He's smacking in the face. He's got he's got Paul pinned. He's beating him in the face. And meanwhile, his wife has a gun to him, saying "Stop!" And then she just waits. She's just sitting there waiting. It's like 
a good maybe 40 seconds before then she shoots. I thought that was just like, stop, I'll shoot. Pause as he's just getting his face beat in. Boom. Like she was just going to watch her husband get like beat up to death. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I, I thought that was the funniest, funniest in a funny, in a not funny movie. That was the funniest <laughs> part of the movie. You know, so um, I generally didn't care for the movie. Uh, like it was well shot, I guess. Uh, it was just boring. I thought it was really boring. I was kind of bored the whole time. Um, I'm kind, kind of on. Was going to be more along the lines of like a quiet place. Exactly. Um, but. It was definitely not nothing like that. Yeah, well, this is sort of why when I go into movies, I don't look up anything about them. I don't watch the trailer. I just go in not knowing anything. Yeah, that's, and I don't have any standards whatsoever. That's a good idea because doing that definitely ruined this one for me because I, I totally expected something completely different. Um, I, I went into it blind too, and I was still disappointed. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, I guess I thought the music, like I said, was really good. Um, some scenes were shot pretty well. Uh, I don't really know how to rate this. I thought it would be a scary, spooky movie, but it wasn't. I don't know. How many times did you give it? Like out of five? Out of five? Well, one point five out of five. I just said three <laughs> out of ten, so one point five out of five. I would probably give it a three out of five. I gave Ooh. it like a zero. <laughs> wow. I'm sorry. I just felt like I wasted an hour and a half of my life. I felt like nothing <laughs> happened. You know, we just kept waiting for something to happen. Nothing happened. Like everyone's virus. How is that nothing happening? What? I didn't hear you. Basically, you have almost all the characters dying off throughout that whole movie. Not really. They all died at the end. I mean, it's not like. They were dying one by one, um, like in another movie we're going to talk about. But, <laughs> <laughs> but they, the only character that died at the beginning was the grandpa. And then nobody died again until like the last five minutes. So yeah, I think that's what the whole point of like nothing happening uh, throughout the, like most of the movie. Like there's not that much, much action because it's just building up towards the end. And I think that's what the directors were going towards with that final scene where Paul has to basically kill everyone except for his wife. Well, they're going to die anyway, because obviously they were exposed to the virus. So stay tuned for movie two. (laughs) It comes at night too. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But it's only like two minutes because they die. And then that's it. (laughs) And over to the dead bodies in the kitchen. (laughs) They just clean up the mess the entire hour and a half. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, like, I understand, like, what the directors were probably going for artistically and even metaphorically, maybe. But from, like, an entertainment standpoint, like, I don't think it stands up very well. Yeah, I'm kind of on your page, your your side there, Sam. Um, so, cool. Do you guys have anything else to say about this movie at all? Because I really don't. <laughs> um I appreciate the thought that you had about this, Andrew, because uh, at least one of us enjoyed it and could kind of get something out of it. (laughs) I mean, Uh, it definitely draws parallels to like present day, like, you know, if we were living in a different time or if it turned into a post-apocalyptic situation, like I get the parallels and I guess that, you know, is the scariest part about it but mm-hmm. and you know as far as like a scary movie goes like i don't even know if i would consider this a thriller I think yeah part of looking 
and uh, not looking at, but like watching movies and watching TV shows is the ability for the audience to latch on to any of the characters and to be relatable. And I think that's where I'm sort of biased is once I'm latched on <laughs> like a virus, um, <laughs> then I, like <clears throat> it's, it's sort of hard to see like the negative light in it because it, it got me thinking of, oh, what would I do in this situation? And so on and so forth. No, good, good. I'm, I'm glad you enjoyed it. Uh, and we could talk about that because I, I really didn't want to just shit on this the whole time. Uh, so, Well, well it, it's like in perspective of the other two movies. <laughs> I would say this is probably the best, the best made movie. You know, maybe there's like, seem like there's like a lot of thought uh, and meaning behind this one compared to the other two, which it probably wasn't. Um, so I, I think I'll agree. Like as far as a technical standpoint, this movie was probably the best. Yeah, yeah, uh, I think more like a technical yeah. standpoint compared to the other two. The cinematography was great. Like, I don't know, I didn't think there was any shot in this movie that looked bad. The acting was really good, unlike some other movies coming yeah, up. But Rebel Diary. <laughs> no, no, that's fair. I thought the acting was decent. Um, I thought it was well made. I agree with all of those things. Yeah. So, all right, uh, Trimble, why don't you talk about Jesse McCartney's shining moment, uh, the Chernobyl Diary? <laughs> Well, so I picked Chernobyl Diaries that was uh, made in 2012. So basically to summarize the like setting so we can talk about more so the plot, what you have here is, once again, you have the, the basic name of Chris. We have his um, girlfriend, <laughs> Natalie, with her mutual friend, like Amanda, going across Europe and traveling. So eventually they stop at Kiev in Ukraine to see um, Chris's brother, Paul, another Paul. So... Make sure Don't get confused. <laughs> we got another Paul. So Paul is Chris's older brother. It seems like those two have uh, like an off again, on again relationship because in the very beginning part of this, Paul asks about how their family's doing, and then Chris is like, "Oh, you should probably you know reach out to them. Their parents are worried about you." And that's the last we hear about that. Um, <laughs> but then, so they're in Ukraine for a good bit, and so Chris. And his girlfriend, Natalie, have plans to continue with their friend Amanda to Moscow, Russia. And eventually, Chris wants to propose to Natalie. And that's where the plot starts. You have then Paul making friends with this guy named Yuri. And is like, yo, this guy is an extreme, uh, like, he gives out, like, extreme tours. So what he suggests, um, so what Paul suggests is to go on this extreme tour with this guy that I don't really know of Yuri. Um, to go to the abandoned part of um, Ukraine where uh, the Chernobyl nuclear power plant disaster happened in 1986. So that is sort of more so like the setting with this is we have this group of Americans teaming up. I think um, didn't the two other people they met, they met were from Australia. We had like this other couple. One was uh, one was Scandinavian and one was Australian. I think yeah, they were together. They were a couple. Yeah. 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 So, like, you had like another couple that went on this extreme tour. Um, so basically, they go and tour uh, Chernobyl, which I would think it was pretty cool. But of course, the biggest thing that I was freaked out about, if I'm putting myself in their shoes, is the radiation poisoning too. And what you had with Yuri, he was like, "Oh, don't worry about radiation poison. You only have to worry about it here for a long time." And I was like, "This is going to come back to bite them." I don't know if you guys felt any kind of like weary about that with them being um, potentially poisoned by the radiation being there for a longer time. 
I mean, have you seen HBO series Chernobyl? Oh, yeah, I loved it. I think that's sort of why I picked it. I was like, oh, this has to be good. <laughs> a little jokes on me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, I guess, set me up for... Like, I had already seen this movie, so this was the second time I watched it. Um, and in between, I had seen the um, HBO miniseries. So I felt like I had a pretty good understanding of, like, the whole situation with Chernobyl going into it. Yeah, anyway, yeah. Finish your, um, finish your intro, unless that was it. I'm not sure. Um, so there, we have this group that should be alone. Um, the first warning sign is they, I remember they get up to... Well, the guards didn't let them in, yeah, remember? They tried to get in the legal way, and they weren't allowed. And they're like, oh, so wait, they what's going on? And that's like the first sign, like, all right, this is kind of weird. And he's like, oh, I know the back way. And eventually they go the back way, and you know, everything's all good. And they started touring everything. And he, like, you thought you're, like, that's when the spooks were going to happen then. And like, ah! But it didn't really happen until at night. And that's when the spookiness started to happen at night. <laughs> um, so we have them at night touring. And eventually you have them, um, what was it, like a, like a wolves? Or... Well, hold on. You forgot. They, they tried to leave at sunset, but the van broke. Yeah, so something... Something sabotaged their van. Well, and so it Yuri, like something took the wires out of the van. Yeah, exactly. So they weren't able to leave when they were supposed to, which causes Yuri, who I think is the best character, to freak <laughs> out. Uh, and then he what takes a gun and he's like, ah, that's, I know what that is. The sound's outside. And he leaves. And then he gets got. And it's just then those like teenagers all on their own at this well, point. Chris, so Chris goes out and like with Yuri, right? To Jesse McCartney, yeah. right. Right, Chris, and then Chris, Chris gets bitten by, like, a wolf. He manages to make it back into the van. The wolves, like, take Yuri and drag him off to some, like, random building. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so then the other guys decide to uh, walk for help to that guard station that we mentioned earlier. But then during this walk, they get chased by wolves again, and they come across uh, a, a parking lot. And so... Um, there's signs of like a, a fight there, a struggle. Like there's there's a bus with bullet holes in it. That like the gun they were shooting from inside the bus to the outside. What does this mean? Uh, and then they find out that a part that was taken from their van that they could replace to hopefully drive home. But they left Jesse McCartney behind, and so they have to get with back. Natalie. To, yeah. So Chris, Jesse McCartney. I'm just going to mm-hmm. call him Jesse McCartney. They left Jesse behind, and uh, they have to go back and. Uh, make sure he's fine, and he's not fine at all. Uh, in fact, him and Natalie are both get got, and they both get taken, and the van is flipped upside down. And uh, conveniently, their camera was left recording, and they were able yeah. to watch the entire thing with yeah. batteries. Batteries were yeah. Open. yeah, yeah. That was very convenient to fill in the plot hole. So thank you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> right, and then they they basically assume that like jesse mccartney is like dead because we literally never see or hear of him again yeah. um they eventually yeah. find natalie like hiding in a building conveniently the one that they ran into again <laughs> 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 so natalie joins the group again and then for, a hot, they, for a hot second she's, right. she's there for like five minutes 
And then they see this like little girl and she's just like a big fat distraction. And then they grab Natalie again. And then that's when things go downhill. Yeah. yeah. Worse. <laughs> my, uh, my favorite scene in this movie was after Jesse and Natalie are gone, I guess they, they go try to find Yuri and his gun that he had. And so there's a scene where they're in a kitchen and one of the creatures is like, you know, rustling all around or eating Yuri or something. And so um, uh, the other girl whose name I can't think of, Amanda. Amanda, yeah. Amanda, yeah. She's like crawling on the ground and trying to get the gun. That was my favorite scene in the whole movie because I thought that was like, that was the only scene in which I was like half spooked. The rest (laughs) of the time I was like, all right. Um, That will do. After they grab Natalie, that's when they all like start dying one by one. They all like start to get caught and then they start. Uh, like so Natalie's like the first one that gets picked off um after obviously Chris and Yuri they're both dead at this point so now we have like I think um foreign couple who is I think Michael and it was either her name was Zoe or Sophie I'm not sure I think it was Zoe Zoe so so then they all run into like the reactor which is you know the, the site <laughs> of the explosion which like obviously is the highest radiation so they before that before that they basically slowly closed the door on michael and like heard him like right that's what i was getting to they like just got in there and then right michael gets got and then and then they try to like go up a ladder and then zoe gets got this is my favorite death where she's like no help me and they're like it's too late and then she's she just dragged down into the, I don't know, mutants or whatever you want to call these guys. Yeah. Like, and then they, not- man- then they find Natalie dead, and then they're like, boo-hoo. And then they make it out of the reactor, but their faces are, like, on fire because of all the radiation. Mm-hmm. And then they run into, like, these guards, and they're like, oh, yay, somebody's going to help us. And then Paul um, walks towards them, and then they shoot him. They're like, oh, we thought he was going to, like, you know, come after us or something. And then they take Amanda, and then they're like, oh, we're going to take you to a hospital. Yay! And then they basically just, like, feed her to the mutants because she's seen too much. And instead of trying to help her, they're like, sorry. And they just, like, literally let her get, like, eaten alive. And that's the end of the movie. Yeah, pretty much. So I was like, uh, one of the notes I took was, what are these things? Are they like, are they mutant zombie radiated people that are cannibals? Like, I don't, I don't really know what they are. I mean, I guess they're just people who were like, what's that other movie? The Hills Have Eyes? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's, that's the movie that I'm imagining. Like these, these like mutant creatures, like they're you know, they've been living there this whole time and they've been like raised in this level of like high radiation causing mutations and like cannibalism and extreme conditions. So, you know, I don't know, maybe due to all the radiation, like they can't go out in the sun. Like, I don't know, maybe that's why they're only active at night. I don't know. Yeah. They're like, well, it seems like Yuri in the very beginning before Yuri died, uh, he, he said that he, it seems like he knew about them, right? Because when there's noises coming out, coming is like that's no human, or he makes some some sort of comment about about them. He's like, I know exactly what that is, and then he leaves with his gun, and so that's 
seems like Yuri knew too at the time. So I had a, like, is Yuri a good guy, a bad guy? That's kind of what I thought too before he died. I was wondering if Yuri was like in on it to bring them to to get murdered or something. But I don't think so. I think Yuri was just like kind of unaware of everything. Like, yeah, I, I think he just like really thought like, oh, it was going to be another wolf or another dog or another bear. <laughs> there was that one jump scare in there towards the beginning where he thought it was going to be like a person, but it was like a brown bear that just yeah. like barreled through that. Yeah. And that's the last yeah. building. Yeah. So one know. thing, one thing I noticed because uh, I do this a lot was I'll, I'll look in like when I'm watching movies like this, I'll look at the background to see if anything is happening. I noticed in the beginning when they're touring Chernobyl uh, or Pripyat uh, at first, there's like people in the windows and the buildings. So when they're outside, there's like figures in the windows and the buildings up. Uh, so that's I thought that was kind of spooky, a cool, cool little ad. And then when they're walking around in the apartments, there's like handprints on the walls. So that was a kind of little spook, little 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 side spook in the in the background. But yeah, and Amanda looked at you know one of the pictures she had taken, and she said that she saw somebody in the window, but at the time she didn't think anything of it. Yeah. And then later she was like, um, no, I think there's like other people here actually. Yeah, and she was right. <laughs> I mean, I think ultimately that's probably why the guards didn't want them to go in there. And mm-hmm. Yuri didn't like understand <laughs> why. And he was like, don't worry, guys, I'll just break you in the back. Like, Yuri, maybe you should like listen to the guards. One, uh, another note I took is that these people are all clumsy as hell. Um, specifically <laughs> the scene when they're crossing a river and there's mutant radiated cannibal fish. Well, mutant fish that'll eat them. And then one of them just like, whoops, and then takes a little tumble over into the river. Yeah, that's then, Zoe, but then no. she doesn't get in. It's her boyfriend, Michael, who gets yeah. Yeah, like, that, that That bridge didn't look that clumsy. Like, didn't look like that. It was that hard to cross. And they just still were like, oh, oh, and then fell over. <laughs> so. Well, it's like, it's like white people on infomercials, you know? Yes, yes. Uh, I, did, I did have a note. That this movie is uh, not very woke because it has no black people in it. So, um, so there's a knock on the movie there. Well, it was from yeah. 2012. It's from a different yeah. 2012. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it does have people from different countries. So I guess that's how they're they're skating around that. Yeah. I. Uh, what did you guys think of Jesse McCartney in this movie? Uh, no joke, because the whole time I was just like, that's it's just Jesse McCartney. <laughs> I mean, I thought he had a pretty small part, honestly. Yeah. I, like, if you're going to have Jesse McCartney in your movie, fuck, have him be the main character or something. Yeah, that's where I think they sort of botched up because I think at first he was going to be, like, the main character, but then it, like, more focused on Paul and his adventure near the end. Yeah. Yeah, if they yeah. would, like, replace those two characters, uh, you know, I think that would have been maybe a little better because, you know, I just wanted Jesse to succeed. I, I even wrote a note. I just want Jesse to be happy. And then a few <laughs> lines down, I wrote Jesse with a sad face because, you know, he, he, didn't got, he didn't get happy. He didn't get to propose to his girlfriend. Oh, did he? Oh, he did well, get to propose to his girlfriend. Did, but she oh, didn't yeah. say yes because <laughs> she was like, no, babe, we're going to make it out. We're going to make it to Moscow tomorrow. Don't worry. Like, they spent like a full two days in Chernobyl before they died. Like, they went on like, one day. In the morning, and then the van breaks that night. And then they end up like 
staying in the van. And then the next like morning they go out looking for Yuri, whatever they find him dead. And then all this like, you know, chaos of looking for the new wires happens during the day. And then, you know, the rest of them end up dying like the following night. So like this took place over like two full days. Yeah. That's a, a pretty high exposure going back to what Andrew was saying earlier about the, uh, spookiness of having the constant radiation uh, affect you and you know i I did i did like the uh, i did appreciate the attention to detail as as it was going on their like faces got more more uh you know spicy looking because of the radiation yeah yeah exactly so i went blind too which was like pretty cool once they were like at like the the heart of it yeah yeah Yeah. so uh sam what would you give this on your oh go ahead what were you gonna say no i was actually just gonna say that um Honestly, this was, like, my favorite of the three. Mm. Um, Like, as far as, like, it being a scary movie, um, I feel like plot, you know, I feel like it had one. Um, I don't know. I guess I'd give it, like, at least a three out of five. General spookiness. I mean, again, I'm probably going to hover around a three, maybe 3.5. Then jump scare, like I feel like there was one jump scare, and it was like with the brown bear (laughs) in the beginning. Because after that, nothing was like really sudden. So jumps, I give that maybe like a two. At least it had it, but it was still probably my favorite because like I felt like it actually fit in the scary horror movie genre. Um, and I felt like it had those elements that qualified it as such. So solid. Andrew, what about you? Did you, uh, what did you think, uh, rating wise and kind of final thoughts? Oh, I think I would still give it like a three out of five. Like it was a little bit different than the first one we talked to, uh, about with, it comes at night. Um, I think with like my closing thought and my closing point I want to make here is sort of, um, what Sam brought up at first with like the Chernobyl documentary, I feel like they could have done a lot more if they had like, you know, if they wanted to film for another hour um, at the very they end. They had a bigger budget. Yeah. <laughs> at the very end, the doctors revealed that um, the creatures were escaped patients and yes. they basically deemed that Amanda knew too much. And that's where, what forced her into that dark cell. And that got me wondering, even though it was like the very end of the movie, it's like, Ooh, what if, um you know this is going on in real life you know with all these conspiracy theories like mm-hmm. ooh, just how they covered up all the radiation in 1986 uh with the soviets even though it's different you know government now what if there there are people or were people impacted by the radiation who are still living there or somehow uh, in the town surrounding it who got mutated over the generations and is the government trying to suppress this information with especially tourists trying to um, have like extreme tourism uh, throughout this region of Chernobyl. Yeah, you should. Uh, if you guys haven't seen it, you should go on Netflix and watch Dark Tourism uh, by David Ferrier. And there's an episode he did on Chernobyl. It's re- fun. It's a really funny documentary series. And he just kind of runs around Chernobyl and he's like, you know, sort of things. You can get kind of a exposure to like what it's actually like. Um, but uh, anyway, other than that, um, cool. So what would you would you say like a three out of five, you said? Yeah, so far, both movies are a three out of five right now. I uh, actually liked this one less than It Comes at Night. I thought it was boring, um, to be honest. Uh, I think I'm just a, 
I might be a stick in the mud when it comes to spooky movies. I like spookers that that spook me, and I like movies that like entertain me. And I was neither spooked nor entertained when watching this movie. I was kind of bored. Um, so, oops. Uh, there's a there's no really parts where I kind of thought was like entertaining in a funny way either, which is what I also really like watching horror movies for. So, uh, I will give it like a. Two out of five. Usually there you have movies that are so bad they're good, and then you have like really great movies. But it's the ones that are like the in between which are yeah. hard to like get by. Yeah, that's that's where I put this as like an in between kind of kind of movie for me. So uh, all right. Any 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 other thoughts from anybody on Chernobyl Diaries? All right. Let's uh, move on to Sam, uh, the movie you suggested which uh, I have a lot of notes on, <laughs> The Girl on the Third Floor. Um, so why don't you give a little brief brief intro to this masterpiece of a film? Um, <laughs> all right. So I picked this just randomly, and I mean, I was like, okay, it's got five stars on Netflix. Let's, <laughs> let's so, see if it's... I'm so glad you did. Let's, let's see if it's worth it, you know? Why not? Um, what's the main guy's name? Don? Don. Don, and then his Don. wife is... Um, I can't find it. What's her name? Snow? Liz. My, my Wikipedia is... Liz, yeah. Liz. It's Liz. Okay, so... So, Don and Liz are married, and, um... Liz is very pregnant, and she is living still in their like apartment in the city and Don goes ahead and buys this like old Victorian house in the suburbs and it's a fixer upper and you know, he's there, he takes his dog Cooper and they're just like slowly chipping away at these um, like home improvement projects. And he clearly has like no idea what he's doing. He has like one power tool. Um, (laughs) And then, Like, the first thing I wrote down is that there is semen leaking from yes. the outlet. Yes, yes. This movie and has so is much jizz in it. There's so much. Un- unnecessary semen. And um, oh <laughs> that's, like, that's the first note I write down is that, like, this house has, like, all these weird, um, like, semi-sexual, erotic, like, qualities to it. And we don't know why, like... Outlets are, are leaking semen and um, vents are producing marbles. Yeah, they're like shitting marbles out. It's so weird. Yeah, it's like it's queefing marbles. And then <laughs> there's like this black hole that he sees in the wall. And his Don's first thought is like, let me stick my hand through it. Yeah. And, then, and then it's like oozing, like all these weird things. And he's like, oh, I know. I'll just like cover it up with dr- new drywall. Like, at this point, he's not asking any questions. Yeah, like, hmm, then, I, I guess this happens, huh? Weird, this white stuff. I'll just wipe it up. Demo day. Like, man, is this, is this what contractors do daily? I don't know. Like, anyway. I'm, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty sure in, in the one room he goes in, there's a big white puddle. I'm pretty sure there's a condom in the middle of that puddle. And he's like, oh, gotta wipe this up. Like, why the hell be... What the fuck is this? Why is there a huge, I mean, like, a not insignificant amount of semen <laughs> on the floor? And it's so still then, weird. um, the pastor from, like, across the street, it's, like, across the street from, like, a Presbyterian church or something, 
um, or a Protestant church, something like that. And this female pastor comes across the street and like, she kind of befriends Don and like, she kind of becomes like, you know, his friend, confidant, whatever. And then, you know, she kind of alludes to how like, you know, the house is like weird and it has a weird history, but you know, they, they leave it to the imagination. And like, at this point, like Don's like not asking any questions. It's like super bizarre. Then we come to find out that Don has like a drinking problem and he's like cheated on his wife before. And, um, you know, she's pregnant. So then he like goes to an empty bowling alley and befriends like the bowling alley guy with the Gary. Yeah. He never showed up again, did he? He was just kind of that one scene. Well, he was there to like tell him that, no, he's like, what are you, gay? And, and I was like, what a weird question to ask. And then Don was like, no. And then Gary was like, um, house has a problem with straight men. And again, like, he doesn't think to ask any questions about, like, all this, like, strange history of the house that everybody's alluding to. And, like, he's not asking any questions. So I find that strange. Then this, like, random hot chick shows up mm-hmm. at his back door. Her name is Sarah. And um, at this point, she just like seems like she's like this horny neighborhood 22 year old who just sees this like hot dad and like wants to get laid. Like that's just what it seems like at first. And then she kind of just keeps showing up and she's like almost stalking him at this point. Um, and he, he gets a clue and he's like, look, you know, we we did it once, but like I, my wife is pregnant, we can't do it again. Blah blah blah. Oh, oh yeah, he doesn't say no to her advances. She's like, "Come in the other room, I have something to show you." And he's like, "Bet me too." And then they bang. like so. It's 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 right. not like he's like resisting at first, you know. It's only until after the deal is done uh, does he start like, "Hey, maybe I shouldn't have done that." Right. The first time he was totally into it, but after that he was like, mm, "Maybe I shouldn't have." I don't know, but then token black guy comes milo (laughs) and so milo is like they're him on and liz's mutual friend from the city i guess and he's like a lawyer yeah i think they're like they're like all lawyers and um milo is secretly like really good at construction so he's like helping don with all the things that don doesn't know how to do including Covering up a ceiling because in the master bedroom, there are like bleachers. Um, there's no there's no ceiling in the bedroom. It's like open so that way you can go to the attic and then look down into the master bedroom and like see the hanky panky going on. And nobody thinks that's weird. Again, yeah, like they're just like, oh well, I guess we're gonna cover this up. Like there was no yeah. like, and also they it? didn't they didn't notice it like when when they were buying the house like i don't know either that or like you know the house is like magical weird whatever and like it it wasn't it wasn't visible before and like now it is like i don't know but milo helps him cover that up then like sarah shows up again and then sarah kills milo and we're like uh right (laughs) but we don't find that out at first because then sarah takes his phone and starts like texting people as milo so that everybody thinks he's alive yeah such a power move she i want to highlight that she killed him with a sledgehammer 
basically, or it was a smaller hammer, but it was yeah. in the basement. And she was like, I have something behind my, no, she's like, he goes, you should Someone leave. He was like, you he just smack guys. She, she whacks him in the head <laughs> and it was really like, huh. And she breaks his face open and then he tries to crawl up the steps and there's another spooky ghost, uh, spooky ghost there. I don't really know who it was, but it's called the nymph. The nymph, yeah, that's what it was called, like on you know Wikipedia or something. Yeah, but. I think that is actually what the girl on the third floor was. Yeah, which the we'll nymph. get to later, I guess. But so she kills Milo and she like hides him in the wall because she's Sarah. At this point, we come to find out is like an evil, like like not ghost but like a being that like lives in the house but Don doesn't know this yet and then um eventually Don fi- right Don finds Milo yeah in the no no so this in is when Don Don starts oh, like no. having a breakdown and so he starts like knowing what's happening so he starts smash no wait doesn't he he tries to kill uh Sarah first right um Yes. Okay. So then he, then Sarah comes back and he, then he tries to kill her and he like kind of does. And then he tries to like encase her in his basement. Like he tries to like, like hollow her up in like the walls of the basement. She comes into his house. She comes into his house and Don goes, I have a present for you. And she goes, I shouldn't accept presents from married men. And he says, don't worry. It's in the kitchen. Then she walks in the kitchen, <laughs> and then he takes that same hammer, I think, and then whacks her off the back of the head, hammer. and then wraps and wraps her up in cloth or something, and carries her to the basement to go, you know, um, cask of Amontillado for her or whatever. Right, that's and exactly what he did. Build her into the wall. <laughs> oh no, we missed the part. Okay, so Milo, he kills Milo, right, and then. Don just thinks that Milo like went home and like yeah. didn't didn't really say goodbye, and then she kills Cooper the dog. Cooper the dog, yeah, that was like that was devastating. That was the worst part because it was literally like out of nowhere. Um, she literally just so she kills the dog and then she chops it into pieces and puts yeah. it in the dryer. So like yeah. Don is calling for Cooper. And he's not coming, but he hears something like in the dryer and he opens it and he sees it. And it's just like the worst moment of movie history. Like, honestly, I like almost cried. It was so bad. As a dog, so mom, you devastated? The dog died. At that point, he like calls the police and he installs video cameras and then he kills Sarah. The, um, or tries did, to. Did you notice the police officer was like, he said, uh, Calm down, King Don. He calls him King Don. <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> it's like, okay. The, co- the cop is like, there's nothing we can do. Uh, you just have a dead dog here, and there's no, like, I don't have anything else, so why don't you calm down, King Don? I'm like, what? Why? Why is this cop so hostile? Well, so, it, was be- it was because how Don was treating him, too. He had no, like, proof of evidence that it was, like, this Sarah person, and he, he was, like, claiming that he needed to, like, arrest this person, and the cop was like, you only know her last name. Yeah, you're, you're right. But, I mean, that's fair. It's just, like, he didn't really seem like he was about to launch an investigation, you know? So, at this point, he tries to kill Sarah, right? And then he... Um, Sarah like spooks him right and then he like ends up in that like master bedroom and like that weird 
thing from the third floor comes, the nymph, whatever, and then, like, she basically, like, tries to kill him with marbles, and the marbles... have you seen the the mummy movie, like the one with yes. Brendan Fraser, where the bug like... that parallel? Nice. Yeah. So the marbles like jump under his skin and like basically like torture him from the inside, and then he has like a razor, like a box cutter, and then he's trying to like get the marbles out, and then he's got like all these cuts all over himself, and then he basically is just like in the master bedroom or the master like bathroom or closet or whatever, or like. An undisclosed amount of time. Like, we don't really know how long he's been in there. Maybe a day. So, so I was going to say, before you keep going, I love this part because it's like, he's being tortured, he's screaming, he's bloody, he's like dying, and then it like fades to black. And I'm, I'm thinking to myself, all right, that was the end of the movie. And I pause it to check and see, and there's 30 more minutes left. Yeah, it was like I know. <laughs> So I'm like, where is this going to go now? So now it cuts to Liz finally has a part in this movie. Because up until his, now, his yeah, Liz just been like video chatting and (laughs) side note she calls him tiger (laughs) and he calls her bunny so you know (laughs) do what you want with that (laughs) so liz is through the house now for like the first time and she's like tiger tiger where are you like you know all this time is going by and she can't find him and she's like not like at no point gets like worried She's like, I guess he's somewhere else, and then just, like, starts doing stuff. <laughs> right, so then she goes into the basement, and then she, like, finds, like, Sarah down there, right? And then, um, then Sarah talks to her, and she's like, yeah, like, I've been helping your husband. I've been, like, his gopher, haha. <laughs> and, like, his wife isn't stupid, so Liz is like, yeah, I know what that means. And then the pastor from across the street also befriends her and then she's like talking to her like whatever and like sarah goes like missing again and then the pastor's like yeah this house has a weird history again like nobody's phased by this and then um sarah starts um liz starts to take it upon herself to like start doing some of the home improvement projects (laughs) yeah while while pregnant she's like very pregnant like do any second kind of pregnant and then, so she still doesn't know where, like, Don or Cooper are, right? But she's like, you know what? I'm going to knock down this wall. And then she conveniently finds Milo. The yeah. Wall. Um, so I thought that was, like, friggin' weird. And then she goes back over to talk to the pastor again. And then she goes back across the street. Now the house has magically transported us into, like, a 19, was it, like, 1920s or, like, 18... 90s something like it's a brothel so (laughs) so now the house is a brothel sarah's there all the attire changed to like you know old-timey brothel attire and like these like old men are randomly walking around her house in like top hats and and coats with tails and drinking champagne and smoking cigars and like she doesn't run out of the house screaming. Like nobody's holding her there. She's just like, huh, all right, let me like see what's going on. And then she she goes around and then eventually she figures out that you have to go to the bleachers on the third floor for the show. Then that's when Sarah starts to, you know, get hanky panky with some guy in like a plague mask. Yeah. <laughs> 
And then she's like watching and um, you know, they're doing some like kinky he, he like whips her, right? Play, yeah. Play whips Sarah. Yeah, but she like is enjoying it and like Sarah's clearly the star of this um brothel. This brothel. And then there's like that nymph girl like who's like hiding in the third floor and like she's also watching but there's also like I guess a guy who like is keeping her in there like I don't I know I, was, I never I never really understood the, that part the bird mask I think that was like his daughter hmm. yeah, yeah I didn't really I didn't really know how the nymph kind of fit into the grand scheme of all this I definitely yeah, understood I her obviously the, nymph, the daughter yeah so it was like was it Sarah's daughter? I felt I thought it was like the guy who owned the brothel. Like I thought it was his kid, but like she was like <laughs> deformed. Like she wasn't a human. She like like had she looked like a Venus flytrap. Like yeah. her, so, like her teeth mm-hmm. were like like vertical on her like the top of her head, and she like didn't have eyes. So like like. I don't know, but they kept her a secret, and like I guess she was the girl on the third floor, technically. Yeah. <clears throat> like I don't. I feel I don't like there's know. more this... symbolism with her because I feel like from that perspective, if you look at the nymph from the child from the third floor who constantly watched um, Sarah, which I think would be her mom, and then um, the dude in the bird mask was her father, and I feel like the nymph symbolized her child and you know how like ugly she looks like the Venus flytrap. That's almost symbolizing how she felt on the inside going through all that stuff, uh, watching her uh, mom basically be a prostitute and her dad being okay with it and beating her and living in a brothel for all those years. Nice. I mean, I don't, I I don't think Sarah was her mom. Uh, I think the guy, the bird mask guy, could have been her father, but... You never really told him. That's where I was just, like, sort of guessing who was who right. was unrelated. I don't even know if the bird mask guy was her father, though, because it seemed like while, like, Liz was kind of just watching all of this unfold, like, as, I guess, Sarah allowed her to take a look into the house's history, um, it seemed like some other guy was the one who was like kind of talking to that nymph girl on the third floor. Um, and then like the bird mask guy and Sarah were like, you know, getting busy in the master bedroom. So like, you know, it might've been like another guy was the dad who was talking to her up there. And then like other people were just like the quote unquote entertainment, you know, I'm not sure, but at any rate, so like, I don't even know. How does this end? It, so, so um, Liz, Liz kind of sees all of this stuff, and uh, then she goes back down. So she's in the attic looking down into the master bedroom. She goes right, down right, right. back into the master bedroom, and she opens the closet because some marbles rolled out from underneath the closet door. She opens right. it, and she sees Don, right? Oh, right, right. Don is all a bloody mess. And then at that point, doesn't Don rip his face open, and it's the nymph Yeah. again? No, or, no Don... Don admits to her that he like cheated on her. Yeah, yeah. And then she was like, you know, the the pastor lady from across the street was like, you know what, like you should leave him. And then he admits it to her, and she's like, you know what, that's the final straw. 
and she's like, I'm going to leave you. And then at that point, he rips his face open. And I think it's Sarah. I don't think yeah. it's the nose. Uh, yeah, you're right. You're right. But this is the, the my favorite part of the whole movie is right after this, where Liz just goes, fuck this or whatever. And she goes downstairs and she takes a sledgehammer. Uh, and then the ghost, the nymph kind of comes up and like a spooky jump, the nymph like kind of crawls out the wall. And Liz goes, literally goes, nope. And then smashes the ghost with a sledgehammer. <laughs> Who does, who does she smash? The, the, nymph. the nymph. The nymph. Sorry, the nymph oh, crawls right. out of the wall, and Liz goes, "Nope," and then hits her right in the face with a sledgehammer. Yeah. My favorite part of the whole movie. Yeah, and then like that's like it, right? And then she mm-hmm. walks out of the house after that, and the pastor's there, and she's like, "So how'd it go?" <laughs> Liz yeah, is like, she... "This was like, wait, you knew that was gonna happen?" And she was like. Yeah, the house has a history. It was a test to see if, like, men were worthy. And she was like, well, like, I guess Dawn wasn't. And then after that, it basically cuts to six months later. <laughs> well, don't they, don't, they, uh, don't they find Sarah's body? Because Sarah says, like, uh, many girls were killed killed in this brothel. Um, you know, some cared. Some people cared about them. Most didn't. No one cared about me or something. And then so Liz finds Sarah's old corpse. And then she takes it out to the pastor, and then they bury the body, Sarah's right. body. Right. So, Correct. Yeah. Right. Then it starts to six months later with uh, the baby being born, and right. right. For so first of all, all that shit happens, and then she still moves into the house. Like at this point, she doesn't really know what happened to Don or Cooper. Um, yeah. She, and then she just moves into the house with her new baby, and then she puts the baby in a room. And then she leaves. And then whoop, up comes another friggin' vent marble. And then yeah. <laughs> they're like almost hitting the baby in the face because the vent yeah. is right over the baby's crib. And then we see Don is like hiding in the vent. So my thought with all of that was, you know how like Sarah was like, she stayed in the house because like her body wasn't found. And then like yeah. they found her body and then conveniently in the first wall that Liz knocked down she finds the body and then um I feel like that might be the case with Don you know like never really found his body um so I guess he's like living in the vents now kind of like yep girl like I don't know I have yeah, so exactly. Um, that was a really long explanation, but like this movie took so many freaking turns. It was like, yeah. is this movie about like a haunted house? Is it about his infidelity? Is it about like an intruder? Nope, it's about an old brothel and like a haunted house. <laughs> I have I have a lot of notes on this, but let me start by saying this one was my favorite of the three of them. Yeah. It was my favorite because I was so entertained. Everything about this movie entertained me. Like literally, I was not bored at at all. Um, classic spooky. Well, you had to stay on your toes exactly. because you, if you didn't pay attention, you were like not going to understand what was going on. This, this Andrew just said it. This was the perfect spooky Saturday movie. I wish we all would have watched this together <laughs> like, with more friends, just drinking and having yeah, a good it's time. A lot better with other people like who are actually <laughs> physically right next to you. <laughs> so some some notes I have, just some quick notes. Uh, there's a scene where he's laying down in bed. And he's video chatting with his, his wife. And she's like, all right, bye, I love you. And he turns it off and then immediately starts looking at porn. Yeah, I have that too. <laughs> he doesn't say bye, doesn't say I love you or anything. And just immediately goes to porn. 
Yeah, it's, it's like two seconds. And then he gets guilty because the dog's looking at him. Because yeah. Cooper's watching. Um, Cooper's judging you Yeah, Uh, I have some other notes I have uh, all things considered that's kind of a cool house you know I thought it was kind of a cool looking house (laughs) it's a pretty big house for only potentially three people (laughs) yeah right Um, there's a scene where Sarah uh, so after Sarah had murdered Milo and she takes his phone and she's texting people from his phone so that people think that Milo is still alive uh, she texts Don using Milo's phone a selfie of her flipping off the camera, and it says "actions have consequences." <laughs> so I thought that was hilarious—a a movie where the ghost texts text the picture, <laughs> flipping off the camera. Amazing! I, I loved know, it. Like 2019 or 20? What was this? 2017 when this was filmed? Yeah, it yeah, was pretty uh, recent. <laughs> uh, let's see another. Oh, so early on, uh, the first marble that the house kind of poops out uh the dog eats it and so don looks at the dog and says don't look at me like that you're the one who has to shit that out yeah, that was pretty funny um yeah uh so are you guys uh, ready to talk about how this movie is a feminist movie yeah this I movie mean, is about cheating please. cheating adulterous men you know and how they need to need to uh, have some consequences for their adultery and abuse of women so that is uh, uh this is a pro-feminist movie so sam as the woman uh why don't you give your take on that <laughs> uh well i didn't know that i mean going into this movie i picked it totally blind but yeah um no, but like, in all, in, all, in all seriousness, this is like the big thing I got out of this movie is that Don's like kind of a fuck boy, and so one of the notes I took was like, this is the house kind of taking it out, taking it out on him for kind of shitting around, and like even he even has is forced to say like, I cheated on you, I'm sorry, and then you know Liz is like, nope, I'm leaving your ass, and then then everything's fine after. So yeah, I mean, I guess uh, the pastor at one point you know says like, oh, it's hmm. a test. And then, you know, Gary, the bowling alley guy was like, oh, you know that, are you gay? Because that house like punishes straight men. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's all those weird things that all these like townspeople seem to know about the house. But yeah. like, like, yeah, some people live here and they're fine. And then other people, yikes. <laughs> it's like, um, is that in the realtor notes or? <laughs> right, like, right. It's like the- 10th century 21 know that? I don't know. Um, so I guess you don't really know if you married a good man until you move into that house. And if he is relentlessly seduced and tortured, then, you know, he's a loser. But if nobody bothers you, then you've got a winner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Uh, did you guys know that the main character, Don, he is uh, in real life? He is a WWE wrestler. Is that CM Punk? CM Punk, yeah. So... I didn't know that. He's a, a failed UFC fighter and a WWE wrestler. And I was just, I thought it was, oh, that was another note I had was I thought the opening credit se- sequence, like it's telling you like the title and, you know, the actors who directed it, I thought it was really good, like really kind of cool with the shot, different shots of the house and like oh, yeah. the wallpaper and stuff and like the, the cool font they used. I thought that was like really good and intriguing uh, and nifty, you know, something on a technical level. I thought that was really nifty. Um, I also, you know, like I said, I like the house. I thought the wallpaper was kind of fun. The retro kind of floral wallpaper. That was nifty. Uh, 
I don't know if yeah, I have any. Yeah, I mean, from a property brother's perspective, you know, <laughs> yeah, there's, yeah. there's a lot of potential there. There's so much potential. <laughs> um, but, um, like, as far as, like, the plot of this movie goes, like, it took, like, like a hard left turn with, like, yeah. a half an hour left, you know? You yeah. thought that, okay, maybe, like, you know, this girl is, like, you know, the evil girl next door at this point and she's just like she's out for revenge because Don turned her down um you know and then the house is doing like all these weird things you don't really know why and then like boom now we're back in time and we're like you know in a old time brothel and like it was just such a complete like mood and character shift because it yeah. goes from like following Don like present day to then like following Liz present day but in a brothel but in her house like I don't know as far as like a plot it was just like it was so weird like it was all over the place for sure it was so all over the place like I don't like it wasn't very cohesive they're like huh that's not a good ending to this movie how should we end it oh I know brothel (laughs) who doesn't like a good brothel Trimble, were you uh, spooked at all in this movie? What was what would you give it as a spooky rating? Uh, I wasn't necessarily like spooked. I was more like intrigued. Of course, like you never knew when it was going to turn on you. Um, so I think that's where I sort of liked it. Like these three movies were all different from one another, and that's um, I think we lucked out on that because I think we all try to go for like a spooky movie, but they were all still different from one another. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, Sam, what about you on your spooky rating? What would you, how would you, what did you rate it? Uh, you know, for plot, honestly, I gave it like a one. Yeah. Like, just because it was all over the place. For general spookiness, I feel like I gave it like a one too. Mm. Um, or one also, because it was, it was definitely weird. It was out there. It was interesting, but I wouldn't say it was scary. Like, it was definitely like, messed up at certain points like especially with the dog but i I, at no point was i like oh my god oh my god what's gonna happen what's gonna happen and then as far as like jump scare i felt like there was no jump scare in this at all like there was no point where i was like oh my god what was that yeah you know in in um at least in chernobyl you had like that fake one with like the bear Mm -hmm. (laughs) but i you know in this one and um it came at night um, or it comes at night, I just felt like there was like no jump scare to either of them. Yeah, I feel yeah. like with this movie, we knew the enemy up front. It seemed like compared to uh, Chernobyl and uh, It Comes at Night, where uh, especially with It Comes at Night, we never really knew. With Chernobyl, we eventually knew in like the middle near end. And with this, it was like right in front of your face. Mm. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, so as far as the plot goes, I did have one note I wrote down was what the fuck is this movie? So that's kind of sums up my thoughts on the plot because I had no idea as well. Um, I, although I, I loved it. I love this movie. It was so entertaining. I laughed a lot because there were so many things that were just so silly. So uh, as far as like an actual, like <laughs> actual spooky serious movie, I don't know, like a, like a two out of 10. So like a one out of five maybe, but as far as like a, a fun friends movie to watch with, you know, a group of people and laugh about 10, 10 out of 10. Like, yeah. I, I, don't, I don't, I think this was the most entertaining out of all of them. I, I, I love we'll have to watch it again with everyone. Yes. Oh yeah, exactly. 
Exactly. Um, I just want to know why the out, like, what did the outlet, the outlets, like, have, using semen and like, oh. and like, <laughs> and putting like marbles out through the vents? Like, honestly, like, how did that correlate to literally well, anything? There's, there's the part where he goes, he's the part where he goes to take a shower and he's like, no water's coming up. So he's tapping the shower head. He's like, come on. And then he keeps tapping it. And then the, then the shower starts jizzing on him. Like it just, there's something. Yeah, and, then, and then there's the other part where he's fixing the sink in the kitchen and like, he has his face right next to the pipe. And then it's basically like shit. And it's just like, it like, it like poops on his face. And I'm like thinking to myself, like, how could you like not test the water before you like go under the sink? Like, how can you not test the shower before just getting in? Like, what kind of animal gets into the shower and then turns the water on? Come on. <laughs> oh, this house is very kinky towards Don. A lot of a uh, lot of a lot of kinky stuff to him. But I mean, all of those like I don't know bodily orifices coming through the house like how how is it even relevant like it's not it's just like another thing i guess to like like at first you're thinking like the house is alive but then it's like the house isn't really alive it's like kind of haunted by sarah <laughs> but somehow it's oozing like it's it just yeah. if, there's, if there's a connection they never really tell us what it is well, I think yep. that's the point, though. Yep. Uh, so I don't I'll think I'll leave them wanting more. Yeah. <laughs> I hope there's a sequel, uh, and I will watch the sequel if there is. I don't think I have anything else to say about this movie. I'm scrolling through my notes. Um, at one point, he calls that he's drilling the wall, and he goes, "The drill stops working," so he just goes, "You piece of shit, drill motherfucker!" And he throws it. <laughs> <laughs> that was so funny. Um, uh you know there is some the, the house is that was the other thing too that i thought was weird the house is full of like 30 mirrors there's like 30 or 40 mirrors hanging up everywhere it just, for, and he doesn't take them down he's like yep there's just mirrors here except <laughs> except for liz one of the first thing liz does she yeah. looks at me and goes, oh no that's not a thing and then she takes it down that's like thank you god <laughs> damn it thank you because there's so many mirrors everywhere i mean it served to have like spookers in the background where he's like standing in a scene and you can see a, uh you know the nymph in, in in the mirror or something but um yeah uh and then the other note i have what'd you say i said so yeah there were some missed opportunities there yeah like you know for to add that jump scare you know yeah. just like that element that kind of makes it a scary movie you know to me like without some kind of jump scare is it really like a horror film like you know, <laughs> i don't know what to call i don't know what to call this movie <laughs> well that's what i'm saying like all of our movies were like under like the scary movie or horror movie genre in netflix but like i don't know if i would truly characterize any of them as such um you know i guess the first one it comes at night it's like almost like a thriller mm -hmm. um just because you keep waiting for something to come at night and I mean, nothing really does, but yeah. The, you know. Yeah. There's the bad guy and it comes at night is man, you know, it's not really like a monster or a horror movie. So it's just like your own, like your own like nervousness, your own nerves. That's the bad guy in Chernobyl diaries. At least there's like the cannibal hospital patient mutants 
and then girl on third floor it's uh yeah, it's um, the nymph and sarah so um but cool did you guys have any other final thoughts about this uh this movie before we start wrapping up um i kind of felt like i wanted my hour and a half back after. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought the opposite. This is the one I loved the most. So <laughs> I, I, I literally, but in here, um, like early on in my notes, I swear to God, if this dog dies, I'll riot. Um, and this was the first movie I watched since it was the one that I chose, and um, yeah, I wanted to riot, and then my riot just kept getting a little bit bigger with each movie. It's like a snowball of dead yeah, dogs. Last. Yeah, yeah I think maybe I, I would have felt differently if I watched it last instead. I, I, I watched this one last as well. <sighs> All right, so uh, just some final, final, uh, final wrap up. Uh, just some quick questions. Uh, Sam, uh, what have you been watching to keep busy during quarantine, other than these movies? I guess anything that you've been uh, binge watching um, at all? Yeah, I watched um, Little Fires Everywhere on Is that Hulu. Good? Is it good? It was it was really good. Um, it stars Reese Witherspoon, um, and I thought, like, I don't know, I like everything that Reese Witherspoon does. Like, I think she's done a lot, honestly, as an actress, and like, especially this drama category. And mm. like, I it's like eight episodes long, and it's definitely more of like a limited series. I can't imagine them making a a second season because it kind of gets wrapped up, but. It's like, it's really good. Like, you're definitely hooked by, I don't know, I was hooked immediately, but if not, by the end of the first episode. I mean, I don't know if you've ever seen um, Big Little Lies, which is also on HBO. It was was kind of along those lines of like, you know, everybody has secrets and like the secrets um, kind of add up and... Honestly, it's like a grown-up Pretty Little Liars, and I know, I know you you wanted me to make that reference. But I feel like it is like Pretty Little Liars with um, Big Little Lies, and then you know Little Fires Everywhere. It's so interesting. Everything has the word little in it. Nice. <laughs> um. So I watched that in like honestly like two or three days. It was it was really addicting. And then I just started watching Vikings. Ooh, that's so good. Nice. Have you seen that? Yeah, that's like the first two seasons, but um, what I just found out is um, there's also this series called The Last Kingdom, which more so plays a part from like the English perspective, and you have like this overlap of a Viking working with English with King Alfred. So that's actually currently what I'm starting to binge. Yeah, my parents awesome. used to watch Vikings while I was on my um, Game of Thrones pick, <laughs> you know, um, rest in peace. Mm. So. Rest in they shit. were always watching Vikings, and I was like, I can't get into another show like this right now. But like now, I have the time, so I'm like on the third episode, and um, you know, I'm definitely interested, but you know, uh, like I don't know, I'm not like hooked yet. Gotcha. So, Andrew, anything other than The Last Kingdom that you've been uh, kind of watching to keep busy at all? Um, well, we just finished Waco. I don't know if you ever heard of that. It it did air on Paramount, but now Netflix has it. It's this limited series. It's like a cult series where you basically have um, David Koresh. He's the cult leader, and he thinks he's like a prophet of God. And eventually, uh, the FBI comes in and blows up the place. 
Nice. Solid. Kind of did an episode of like Criminal Minds like that. Hmm. Like, I guess based on that. Um, oh, like, like a cult. Yeah, but it was like exactly like that. But they did it in one episode, you know. <laughs> well, I'm 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 gonna check both of those out. I was actually interested in watching both of those things. I've uh, I've been watching The Last Dance, which is an, uh, a documentary on Michael Jordan, which is great, really great. And then um, there's a podcast out that they're doing a rewatch of Scrubs, the TV show. So I've been rewatching Scrubs again because I've seen it. I've seen it about a bunch of times, but why not just rewatch it? Yeah, it's, it's really... a classic. So, all right. Uh, thank you guys both for doing this uh, with me. I, I loved watching these three movies. Uh, so I look forward to uh, doing it again with you guys if you would like. So appreciate it. Thank you yeah, guys. Please, please bring me back for um, a Nicolas Cage special. Oh, oh, for sure. Great one. For sure. So, all right. Well, I appreciate it. Bye. Bye.